Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Marie got in touch with us by email and Marie, you want to talk about the lack of services for people living with intellectual disabilities. Um, you want to talk about your son. You might tell us maybe a little bit about him. Okay, so my son is a teenager. He's 14 and a half. Um, he has autism, ADHD and an intellectual disability. But he also presents with very violent, aggressive behaviours. So on a day-to-day basis, it's very hard to manage. Um, and especially when you're on your own. And it, w- the reason I suppose I wrote in was because I wanted to highlight this issue. I'm always doing it. I need the government to sit up and listen and for people to listen that we cannot, they need help. We need help. We cannot be just shunned away anymore. So because nobody listens, I tend to try and get, you know, into the radio station. So maybe the public will listen. Maybe somebody will pick up on it and somebody will actually do something for the children of Ireland with disabilities, intellectual disabilities in, uh, specifically. Marie, give me, explain maybe, give us, an, give us a normal day in your home with your son. Okay, so for a start, there's never a normal day, ever. Um, there's never two days the same. He's very unpredictable. Um, he's always had, you know, he's always had challenging behaviours, but over the last two and a half years, even before lockdown, they've become increasingly worse. So he's very impulsive. Um, there's an awful lot of destruction. Everything is broken from, you know, every day. Anything that's not nailed down or up high is broken. Uh, that would be an, an impulse that he'd have to just break or tear or rip or spill. Everything is, you know, the TVs are up high, the TVs are broken. Um, there's a high level of vocalisations, which are very loud. So it's very hard mentally to listen to that all day. You know, sometimes you might have to wear earplugs just to kind of dim it down a little bit. Now, none of these behaviours he can help, obviously, because, um, as I said, he has autism and that actually causes a lot of the frustrations in his body where he lashes out. But I suppose with the help, the lack of help or the lack of intervention, he's be, as he's getting older, he's getting worse. So the violence is more frequent, it's worse, um, uh, he's more aggressive, he's not grounded, he's not able to regulate his own body. So he's like a tornado that buzzes around the house and I'm chasing after him, picking up one disaster, one broken mess after another, always on guard, always vigilant, super vigilant. Like you're living on adrenaline with the level of hyperactivity that you have to try and manage. Um, And I mean, it starts in the morning. I could be winded straight into the chest. It depends on his mood. He could come up and nuzzle into my chest or he could headbutt me into the chest and that's how the day starts. This could be now after a night of him being up all night, bouncing off the walls. Um, and this isn't very nice to listen to, but this is the truth and I'm not hiding the truth yeah. anymore. No, don't but he worry. Smears, he's, I'm not, he, he smears feces throughout the night. So I have four mattresses in rotation that he could smear at 11 o'clock and you have to go up. You have to get him into the bath. You have to wash him down. You have to wash the walls, the mattresses. You take out the mattress. You put in another mattress. He might do it again two hours later. The whole thing repeats. The cycle goes on and on. Then the, the few days, you know, that the mattresses are out and you're disinfected. Oh, look, it's just, it's endless. Every single aspect and area of your life, from the mundane to the normal, is affected. From peeling a potato, from having a shower, from going for a walk, it's all affected and it's all controlled by his behaviours and his moods. 
And do you get any, I mean, I know, do you get any help, Marie? Look, Nothing. I now get respite. I cannot go into the specifics of it. But that's after 12 years of fighting, fighting tooth and nail. I, there, there is absolutely no help that I get here on a daily basis other than the respite. The level of help that I get, right, in an emergency, is I get my sister or my partner to video call him to distract him for a couple of minutes so I can get on top of the mayhem. And if I try and ring any of the professionals, number one, he's been moved to a new service provider. The handover was last October. You cannot get hold of them. The first time I got hold of somebody and met with somebody was in April. I haven't had anyone since the last time I got hold of somebody. I was told to ring 999 and hang up, and they hung up. That is the level of treatment. Like, my child needs OT, on a daily basis, he needs it three to four times a day, an assessment. He has seen an OT, and an occup- it's called an occupational therapist, mm. once in the last eight years. An assessment was done on him, and the level of um, requirements or therapies that he needs, was a, it was as thick as a Bible. He needs it three to four times a day in school and at home. So, I mean, they've done the assessment, and they told me that this would drastically improve his quality of life and all of our lives, and I never saw them again. It's like telling somebody that you're sick and we can never cure you, but we can help treat you and make your life, improve your life. And sorry, Marie, any- sorry to cut across you for a minute. I, I'm just I'm I'm just trying to, you know, kind of get my head around. So you, you, you've had the assessment of needs carried out. You've been told that your son requires, you know, X number of occupational hours um, on a weekly basis. And you're saying yeah. that he's seen one person in eight years. That was for the assessment. Yeah. And I'll, 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 I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like, I know it's unbelievable. Like, I have stories that will put the hair standing up in the back of your neck. Like, another example a few years back. Now, this, was, again, was before lockdown. This was before that assessment was done. The new occupational therapist rang me to introduce herself. And I said, well, that's great. Thanks very much. I can't wait to meet you. And she goes, well, you won't be meeting me. And I said, why not? And she goes, there's only a grant for me to work three days a week. And I've over 600 cases on my books. So she just rang me to tell me her name and that that was my son's OT. And I never saw her, never heard from her again. And I spend my twilight hours writing, campaigning, getting TDs involved and the situation is only getting worse and not better. But knowing that if he got this therapy, his life would be drastically improved and all of ours would be as well. But you're banging your head off a brick wall and I'm doing it for the last 13 years. It must be extremely frustrating, Marie, and like, just even listening. Yeah. Yeah. Like the fight would nearly go out of you. It's, it's more debilitating fighting for the services than the disability itself. Like when you're when you find out, you know that your child um, has a disability. You straight away, you, you know, it's like grief. You feel like somebody has died because you're, um, but they haven't died. You're grieving your child's lost future, the one that you thought that they had, and then you go through all the stages of denial, anger, resentment, and and then acceptance. And I can accept all that. And then you kind of educate yourself. Like I had no clue about any of this. And you you go to the courses, you do the groups, you get involved and everything. And you're the only one, really, that's fighting because, like, I can accept all, I can accept all of that and I can accept the physical day-to-day. I can accept the verbal abuse. I can accept that. But I will not and I never will accept the lack of care that this country offers our children with disabilities. Like, it's shocking. We're made to live in squalor, in terrible conditions. 
you know, my, I, some days I'm risking life and limb just getting out of the bed. And I have to be super vigilant and hyper vigilant. And it's dehumanizing because I'm not allowed a sick day. If I get a headache, I'm finished. You know, I'll be trampled on on the ground. You, you're not even worthy of having a headache. Never mind COVID. I was terrified I would get it. I was terrified he would get it. What would happen then? You couldn't be separated from him, you know. There's no way he'd go into hospital. Then I was freaking out what would happen to him if I had to go to hospital. Like, that's how debilitating it is. And that's how ignored we are. And it's not recognised. And it's because there's not enough awareness. And it's not the people's fault, you know. Mm. It's like, it's the disability sectors. They should be promoting more. They should be not promoting it, um, creating more awareness. So people are more empathetic when you go out. Like, I've already been in lockdown for 13 years. The lockdown did not phase me. Like, the shutters go down here. The doors are bolted. The gates are locked. The windows are nailed shut. And that's it. And that's it for the evening. So that was no, I had no fear of that. The fear I had was the services, would, the little you had would be cut. And they were. And the schools and everything. And, you know, I remember after the first lockdown, it was six months. And... It was six months and my body went into shock. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I like, when he went back to school, I thought I was going to be doing cartwheels around the kitchen. But I laid on the floor for six weeks and I couldn't get up. So I went to the doctor and I thought, what the heck, you know, is wrong? Mm. And she said that my body was, was shutting down from, from living in flight or, or fight mode the yeah. whole time. And that it was my body's way of self-preserving myself. And that she compared my life to the war-torn Syria, where the women have to flee at a moment's notice with bombs going off left, right and centre. And that's what it's like. It's a war zone. And it can be helped. It can be managed. Like, he has no occupational therapist. He has no behavioural therapist. He has no speech and language therapist. He has very poor communication skills. Is it as, I don't want to say is is it as simple as that, but like, what you're saying is, Marie, this can be, like, certainly, certainly, alleviated um, and addressed in some way by just providing occupational yeah. therapy hours, speech and language therapy hours. Have you yeah. got on to the, the, the minister's office? Or the, I mean, I'm sure, I know you've said you've been contacting well, people for years in the HSE, I've but... I've gone everywhere. It doesn't make any odds. Um, like, if, obviously, it will never... He can never be cured. Um, he's on four psychotropic drugs a day and that manages his hyperactivity to the level that it is today. And that's all they can do. He's at the max dose. There's no more scope for that. The psychiatric parts are doing their part. Um, it can be alleviated. It can be helped. He can be yeah. taught to Managed, as you said, just... He, it can be managed. Yeah. And he'll still have bad days, And but he'll also have good days. Yeah. Now, there, I don't think there's been hardly a good day in the past two and a half years. It's As I say, it's living from one disaster area to another. And with other children in the house, you know, you have to be super vigilant over there, what they're doing as well. If they forget to put away a toy or if they forget to put away a battery, you know, you have to be on guard. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm a CIA agent <laughs> because I have to scan the room, whatever room mm. I'm in, I'm in for triggers and potential dangers. And I have to be on top of it at all times. And the very time you might leave your cup down and forget, that's the time to get the cup in the head. Just out of the blue, you know. Um, like, one of the worst things I think that happened since lockdown for us, um, he, he started stripping. So it's very hard to leave the house at all now. And... You know, we're under attack here in the house. I'm under attack in the car. And then when we go out in public, he strips or I'm under attack and scrutiny by the public. And it's horrific. I actually had to go and make up my own badge now um, to wear around my neck to kind of ward off, you know, the people 
to stop them from ver- verbally attacking me over it because what people obviously don't know is that it's a few moments for them, but it's a lifetime for me. Yeah. And it's day in and day out. And if people just had more compassion. But that's not why I'm on. I know. I'm on here. I know. Because what happens, right? I I was told twice in the last year, and, and this is gospel truth, and I was told that I would get help when I, when I died. If you die, Ireland will step in. Well, I'm not asked. I don't want that, obviously. And I don't want them to step in. I want to be here for my children. I want them to help me so that doesn't happen. Like, there'll come a day when I won't be able to dodge the bullet. And who's going to look after my son then? Marie, wh- that's what wh- I'm putting wh- out there. As your as your son has got older, obviously now, when you say he's a teenager, like, what's the extent of the the, the injuries that you've that you've suffered? Like, the injuries that I've suffered. Yeah. Well, I've been beaten. I have bruises. I have been stabbed um, on the neck. Um, for himself as well, you see, he, he has no awareness of danger. He tried to put his head into an oven. He runs out in front of cars. Um, he's, he's a bolter. Um, I've been kicked, pinched, um, my hair pulled, strangled when I'm driving from the back. Um, anything you can think of. I've had everything broken. If I, You know, I've had tips, um, hot coffee tipped up into my face. If I, hot water hosed down. The list is endless. There's nothing that he doesn't get into. Look, I'm making him sound like a monster. He is not. He is a lovely boy locked in himself. And his behaviours have now become habits. And and he cannot come out. Inside him, there is a lovely child waiting to be unlocked. But he's not happy. He doesn't want to hurt me. He doesn't even know he is hurting me. He doesn't know, well, if I hurt her or come after her with a knife, that she could die. He doesn't know any of that. He's no awareness of that. He, uh, he he doesn't understand, but he's obviously not happy because of his outbursts and they're getting worse, you know, they're getting more severe. I just want him to be happy. I want my other children to be happy. It's not a lot to ask for, what we're asking. We're asking for the people who control the budget, budget for these occupational therapists. Give them the money. Don't. It's not just me. There's over 200,000 family carers in Ireland. And you don't hear about them. It's like we're, we're a secret society because we're afraid. Number one, we, I feel like I'm betraying my own child when I tell the truth about what it's like to live with them. Um, and number two, you feel that nobody wants to hear. You know, you're ranting and raving about what your child is doing at home. And actually, most of the time, people don't even believe you, you know, because it's that outrageous and it's that shocking and it's that intense. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, it's... I'm really listening to you today. Like I, you know, I don't, I don't. I would hope anyway people would know that you know that you're God. You're there's no way you you know you haven't contacted a radio station to um. And I think you know like making this up. And I I think people I think people listening. I hope people listening today will 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 know that like you you need assistance and it's very it's very yeah. it's very clear that you do. Um, I I don't know what we do and sometimes in cases you know when people ring in and 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 contact us about things that have happened. Look, we can by all means we'll certainly we'll contact the HSE, we'll contact the Minister for Disabilities Office and see if there is anything at all, Marie, that we can do. And and if we can in any way assist, we'll you know we'll be back in touch with you. But um. Look, mind yourself because it's just even listening to you today, like you can really hear the toll that this has taken on you. Yeah, it's it's a long time. It's 13 years yeah. too long. 
Well, too long to be waiting for well, help. We'll, we'll, we'll get in touch with the, the, the HSE and, and the Minister's office now and Marie, we, we will come back to you if we get anything in the meantime. But listen, mind yourself and thanks for getting in touch with us today in the programme. Thanks, Andrea. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.